Good afternoon, church. My name is Brett. I am pastor of this people. It's good to see all of you, especially those who are guests. Thank you for choosing to make us your church home for an hour today. Well, we've got a real treat in that we are we're having a special service today whereby we get to send out the church planting team to Charlottesville, Virginia. As a unit, this will be their final Sunday with us, but it does not mean they are disconnected from us. It means that they are tethered to us when they go, that when they go, we go with them. They take us with them. They love the idea of finding their identity in who we are and what we do, our values, our vision, our mission, just someplace else because there aren't droves of people driving up from Charlottesville every week to come to church here. So we need us there. And they are going, sacrificing all that they know to be home here. Their jobs, their houses, their friends, and establishing newness down there. Boy, that's tough. But when God begins to speak to you about something that inspires your soul, you say yes, Lord, and you believe him in the midst of it to accomplish all the stuff you can't figure out. Paul and Taylor Harris are the pastors we are sending. Paul has been with us and Taylor for the last 13 years, served faithfully here, loved our house, been loyal as a member, enthusiastic as a member, and then on staff with us for the past two years, helping to run our small groups. He was born and raised in Belmore, New York, and currently lives in Charlottesville, Virginia with his beautiful bride of 13 years, Taylor, and their three children. When he's not with his family, he serves as a faculty member in the Curry School of Education at University of Virginia, and now also as pastor of Victory Church of Charlottesville. He is privileged to have served as associate pastor over our ministries of small groups under this leadership in this congregation. He earned his bachelor's and master's degrees in education from the University of Virginia, his PhD in counselor education from the University of Maryland, and his master's of divinity from Virginia Union University. Paul has served as the president of the Virginia School Counselors Association and currently serves on the board of directors for the American School Counselor Association. He is passionate about serving people, especially underrepresented and historically marginalized groups, and has a particular interest in promoting the identity development of athletes at the high school, collegiate, and professional ranks. In 2013, he established an empowerment program for black male high school athletes called Men Passionately Pursuing Purpose, MP3. In 2014, a mobile application entitled Ready Athletes for Collegiate Athletes was funded by the NCAA. He also serves on the Athletic Advisory Committee at University of Virginia. All of these endeavors are extensions of his passion to see Jesus famous in the marketplace. To that end and more, Victory Church of Charlottesville exists to see people reconciled to God and to one another. Pastor Paul is honored to steward that vision. Would you please welcome Pastor Paul and Taylor Harris, their children, the team that is being sent to Charlottesville, and all of our elders to the stage. Mom and Dad, 
Oh, uh, I say mom and dad because Paul, Paul's parents are part of our church. And his father pastored a church in New York for 40 years. Retired a few years ago and moved down here because he had four children, all of whom are part of this church. Paul is one of them. He's the baby of the family. And I have adopted his parents as mine. They are pillars in the, in the church. Pillars. Amazing human beings. And helped to fashion this man so that he was ready for this moment. He came to us like uh, a, a, a Bentley that had been pulled off the rack and was about a year old. A fine automobile all, uh, already. It just probably needed a little washing. That's all we did, put a little water on it. Put a little water on it. But they did a phenomenal job with this man. And then that which we could not finish, she did. <laughs> An amazing couple. They've got three beautiful children. Now, let me give you the, the folks who are on stage. From this point on, from here that way, elders of this house, and there are more. Some couldn't make it because they're out preaching, doing stuff. They're here to pray because as a government, we send people out. It's a privilege to be able to do what, what happened in Acts chapter 13 where it says, the Holy Spirit told the people in, in Antioch to set apart for me, the passage I preached last week, set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work to which I've called them. And when they had prayed and fasted, they laid their hands on them and sent them out. That is what we are doing now. And it wasn't just the senior pastor. It was all the elders that happened to be present in that church. And so we have our eldership. From this point on, all these people go. <laughs> Brave human beings, I call them. Quit their jobs, sold their houses because God told them to move. They're not even going to be preaching on Sunday morning. They're going to be setting up chairs, watching over children. Figuring out how to do worship and song as a, as a, as a, as a ministry while they work full-time jobs midweek. That's the kind of commitment that the people from this congregation are giving to see these people and the city of Charlottesville supported. And we are privileged to have had them to have had them and to now send them to do stuff we can't do because we're not called to do it there. Mm. Later on in the service, even though you can't go, there's a way you can still participate in that we're going to take an offering. And I promise you, the fruit that they're going to bear, extraordinary, unusual fruit, and you want to be a part of that. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to pray for them and send them out. And God is going to bless the progress of their going and that he's building on ramps for their success. Will you join with me? Pull your faith together with mine and our elderships and watch God do something special. Elders, please come. Father in heaven, we are grateful for these people. What a couple. Everybody is made in your image. Every person has a residual presence of your person in them. But some have allowed themselves to decrease that you might increase. These, they've decreased a lot. And we see Jesus in them more than we see in most. And we're grateful to have had the privilege of walking with them in this house. For 13 years, they have been faithful stewards of your vision and mission. 
loved people, cared for your, your work, just amazing, outstanding human beings. And we send them out now with our love. We send them with our affirmation, with our approval, with our well done here, well done. And we send them with the hope and the belief that they will experience those words from your mouth when they are done with their work in Charlottesville. That city needs you. Oh, there are great congregations. There are great pastors. But the uniqueness of this man's ministry is going to impact in a way that allows his portion to be fulfilled in the body of Christ there. Fill his cup. Fill Taylor's cup. Bless their children. As they put their hands to the work, bless their efforts and supply your strength to theirs. Anoint the words of his mouth let the effort and the work that he puts forth bear more fruit than it should. Multiply his influence in the city. Let his voice be heard. Even as he whispers, let it sound like, as if he shouted. Have your way with him, and we send them with our love and our affirmation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father in heaven, oh, 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 wait, 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 you can, don't, don't clap yet. Father in heaven, thank you for these people. Lord, to hear from you as a person who is just coming to church regularly and a good church member, to hear from you about going to another city that may not have as many occupational opportunities as this, but you know they've heard you telling them to go and to obey and to believe you to provide for them in ways that don't seem ordinary. There's no pathway naturally where it comes to pass, and yet you did so, Lord. I honor every one of these people that heard yes go. And I pray that you would protect them. You'd strengthen them. You'd multiply their influence and you'd multiply all the stuff that they need in order to accomplish your will, both their personal provision and ministerial provision. Have your way with them, please. Thank you for their service. Thank you for their sacrifice. And let you be glorified in all they do in such a way that when they, when they finish this, they say, only God could have done this. Only God could have done this. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you all so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You may be seated. Pastor Paul is now going to minister his farewell sermon to you. Um, but it's not his last. He'll be back to preach at some point. But it's really good. I think you're going to be blessed this morning. So please, turn your hearing aids up. Let's go to the Word. It's going to go to the book of Philippians, chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 5 through 11. Philippians, chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. As you find that scripture, Lord, help us today as we study. We pray according to your Word, Psalm 119 and 18, that says, Open up our eyes so that we may see all that is in your law. Unless you open, we can't see, we can't understand, we can't hear. So we pray, God, that your, your, your power would invade and permeate this moment so that we can hear, understand, and put into practice Monday through Saturday that which you have for us today in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11 reads this way. In your relationships with one another... 
the NIV, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The title of today's message is Empty-Handed. Empty-Handed. I just want to share with us what it might look like to live empty-handed. I referenced a moment ago the trailer that we have, uh, that we are blessed to have and get the opportunity and privilege of moving to and from the place that we are calling home currently at the Boys and Girls Club of Charlottesville on Cherry Avenue. Um, And the testimony is broader than what I'm about to share. It extends to even the fact that we don't have to drive it anywhere because the place that said they would never let us park it on site has now let us park it on site. which is a testimony. We're talking storage. We're talking not paying for vans to be picking it up every week. So those finances can go elsewhere in terms of ministry. But we do have to move it 20 to 30 feet because we backed it up in such a way that it would be impossible for anybody to get in there. So we have to move it up so that we can get in there. And this particular night, we had no uh, uh, apparatus, no van, no Jeep to help us move it forward. But we purchased, if you've ever heard of it, a trailer valet. Anybody heard of that? I had it before looking it up, or rather somebody said, you need to look this up. And it's a, it's a little handheld hitch and ball that you can literally move, and the video says, with ease. <laughs> this 8,500-pound trailer. So three of us at 10 o'clock at night last Sunday are out there after the long, wonderful, productive, and blessed moment that we had uh, with the evening with victory and a night of worship, and we're out there figuring out this trailer valet, looking at the instructions and reading uh, or watching the video and trying to do it. And we tried once, we tried twice, we tried three times, and on those first few attempts as we got the ball under the little coupler on the trailer and then lowered the trailer onto that ball, we all saw this 8,500 trailer start to slide off of the two-by-fours upon which it's supposed to be resting and not resting on this trailer valet, as the video said, was so easy to do. And in that moment, which may have been just a split second, maybe three or four seconds, it seemed like three hours, there was nothing we could do but say, Lord, help. Because none of us can push this thing back up on the two by fours. None of us were smart enough to do any of what needed to be done to accomplish what needed to have been done. And the Lord nudged me in that moment and said, that's where I want you to live, Paul. In that moment where you felt like I got nothing. (laughs) I've got nothing. Live there. When you feel like you might have something, live there. What's in your hand that you hold on to and try to manipulate your surroundings with or control even your own destiny with? Live in that moment of this 8,500-pound trailer. Watch your legs, Andy. Watch your legs, Joseph. That's what we were saying. No control. God said live there. And I believe if we're honest, all of us have that tension the challenge, if you will, when we're not in those dire straits, and perhaps if you've lived a while, you found yourself in a moment where metaphorically you might have thrown your own hands up and said, I got nothing. <laughs> but the challenge is in those moments when we feel like we do 
to still Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 it, trusting in him with all of our heart and mind, not leaning on our own understandings. What does that look like to live empty-handed? This text today that we've read, I believe, suggests to us that we are to render ourselves nothing because when nothing is left of us, everything can be built by him. Apostle Paul here is writing to the church at Philippi. It's It was established on his second missionary journey for some context. If you remember Lydia, the businesswoman who was the first convert in that city, and this is the first church in Europe, actually. And and then while they're there, they're casting demons out of folks. The fortune teller, if you remember in Acts 16, they cast the demon out of her to to then upset her owners, and they're thrown in prison, arrested, and and beaten. And in prison, they're praising God at midnight, and the Philippian jailer, after there's an earthquake and all of their chains come loose, is led to the Lord by Paul and Silas. How about that for a church launch? Come on, big faith. The church at Philippi comes out of this, but now Paul's writing to an obviously more established church, evidence in part if we were to go back to chapter one where he's greeting the church at Philippi and he references the overseers, the pastors, and the deacons. So what was planted now grew and it's been established and he's saying to them, thank you for one, for your support of our ministry. And then he's encouraging them also to be content, to unify, to have joy. And then he challenges them to follow the example of Jesus Christ. Verse 5, it says, let this mind be in you. The New American Standard Bible uh, version says, have this same attitude of Jesus Christ. What attitude? Well, the attitude that we see he had when he rendered himself nothing. King James Version says it this way. He made himself of no reputation. He emptied himself. So why? So that we could ultimately be free. Brief side note, hypostatic union. If you're ever interested in reading, looking about it, that's essentially describing what uh, is a mystery but a reality for us. And that is Jesus being fully divine and fully human. And yet in this moment when he's emptying himself in the text we've read today, he is not leveraging what he really could have. The Greek word there in in, in emptying himself is kenosis, voiding, emptying, laying aside the honor, the, the glory due to him so that he could become a man and humble himself, experiencing what we are experiencing, becoming a servant, for which in the Greek the word is doulos, laying aside his will for his heavenly father's Will. Matthew 11 and 29 says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you then will find rest for your soul. Verse 6 says, though he existed in the form of God, he did not consider it something to be grasped, something to use to his advantage. But instead, he chose in verse 7 to make himself nothing, to make himself of no reputation, taking on again this form of a servant. There is no natural analogy that could come close. And we like some illustrations because they do help, but there's none that can come close. I think of, as a sports fan, the superstars who, who take a little less money because they say they want to win. Laudable. Kevin Durant, I think, took $10 million less to go to Golden State, I think, is kind of what happened there. Laudable, but doesn't come close. The teachers who are back to school now, some of whom were asked a few weeks ago, would you mind shifting gears, teaching another grade? Maybe taking on a new uh, uh, prep, even though we know you've prepped and for the last 10 years you've prepped. Can you do that? And some say, I'll do it for the betterment of the school, to balance out the course loads. 
laudable, impressive even, but doesn't come close. The CEOs who we might see sweeping his or her floors when they don't necessarily have to. Impressive, but not ever to be confused with the level of humility and the extent to which the dissension that Jesus had to make to lower himself to being a servant. Not ever to be confused with that. But yet Paul says, then let this mind be in you. And if you're like me, I'm thinking, how does that mind be in me? Because there may be some, I was about to say there's nothing about us that's fully divine, but there may be some in here that think we are. That's another sermon altogether, but there's not. Anything about us that needs to be emptied of our deity or, or laid aside of our deity. So how then is this mind to be in us? Well, when nothing is left of us, then everything can be built by him. It's because he chose to empty himself that we now have the possibility of living eternally if we choose to receive the love he has for us. It's because he emptied himself that we can participate with the privilege and honor that it is and seeing his will in heaven done here on earth. It's because he emptied himself that we can live victoriously in our marriages. It's because he emptied himself that we can tithe when there's more month than income. Uh Uh-oh. How does that work? Because he emptied himself, we have the privilege of doing that. Because he emptied himself, we at Grace Covenant Church can live with an expectancy, a confident expectancy that this city will be won for Jesus Christ, that D.C. will be changed for Jesus Christ. We can live with the expectancy, Victory Church of Charlottesville, not because we have the brightest core team ever, and we do, not because we have the most amazing children's minister in Andrea Smith, and we do, and the most amazing communications manager, and I'm, I shouldn't do names because we can go up and down the road, but we've got an incredibly talented and gifted team, but that's not why we're going to see people reconcile to God and each other. It's because ultimately he chose to empty himself, humble himself, be obedient even unto death on a cross, which isn't just death. It's the most painful, excruciating, humiliating death one could suffer. And having done so for us, it's through that that we then, in pursuit of his example as Christians and following him, can assume that posture through the power that we have through him having emptied himself. How many of us, I wonder, are willing to trust God, particularly when it gets uncomfortable? We've talked a lot about that as a church core team. What is this going to look like? We can't predict exactly what's going to happen, but we know we're going into the enemy's camp, pushing back on the forces of darkness. So there will be challenges to the obedience to the word God has spoken in this moment to move forward. But yet Jesus was a bit uncomfortable, wasn't he not? It was uncomfortable when a few years ago, or more than a few years, and some of you have heard this story in 2010, when we received a wonderful promotion, left Freedom High School, my Freedom family there, and moved to another school in an administrative track, and you never see this in education, salary-wise. It's usually just, you know the steps. You can look 30 years out, and it's not going to change. There's no negotiating, nothing. But when that shift happened, about a 40% increase came to us financially in our home. In education, it just doesn't usually happen. And yet God said, leave. (laughs) Leave. Oh, yes, I know your wife is pregnant with your first child, and she's unable to work due to health reasons, though somehow she did on the weekend. She taught writing to kids. I don't get how she did that. But she's unable really to work. I get it, and you need provision, but leave there. Go back to freedom, which I did for a year, and just be still. Little did we know 
that in that year there were health issues that I would have, that no way would I have negotiated in that space that was a whole lot more demanding. No way could we have ever known that UVA would have an opening in the program that trained me because people don't leave that program. They usually leave when they leave this earth kind of thing, and all of a sudden there was this, literally, that's how it goes down. (laughs) But there was this mass exodus to the point, and I'll bring this illustration to a close quickly, that the program was even shutting down. It's extinct. Paul, what are you doing even considering that? Well, because I think God is in it. That's why. Got hired there, never saw that coming, and seven years later, we're happening to be planning a church in the city of Charlottesville. He'll do exceedingly above anything that we can ever ask or think. And oh, by the way, that extinct program has since hired four new full-time faculty, two of which are on the core team for Victory Church. How about that? And this by no stretch of the imagination because I'm standing before you thinking and reflecting on how more emptying of me needs to happen. But in the moment, and my sharing with you is a testimony to what God showed us, just a glimpse of what could be when we say, God, I will empty myself with the power you give me to do so. Because when nothing is left of me, everything is built by you. Month was more than income, and yet somehow... Tithing continued, provision continued, and there's no lack. As my granddaddy used to say, I'm young, but now I'm older. I'm not old like he was when he used to say it. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. How many of us are willing to be obedient in that space that is uncomfortable? There's so much more to be built. God is wanting to do something great in all of us. I imagine if every seat in this room across all three services, and this is a phenomenal church, been a part since 2005, done some incredibly amazing things under our amazing phenomenal leadership, and yet there's an imagination in my brain that says if everyone would empty him or herself afresh, what might God do? What might God do in our city, exceeding abundantly above more than we could ask or think? But the tension is in the flesh, is it not? The challenge of, well, God, you gave me this gift. We can intellectualize things really well, can't we? You gave me this gift, Lord, knowing very perhaps unconsciously that there's this subtle manipulation of that moment to actually try to control what it is that's happening in our lives. Paul is saying to the church at Philippi with complete relevance for us today, here's your example right here. Empty yourself. And here's the very, very cool part, though we don't do it for this reason, but because it's in the text, I have to preach it, and I'm going to go ahead and receive it. Will you not? It says, he therefore was exalted. Not the reason for which we do it. We do that and we engage that process because we're pursuing him and his example. But therefore, in verse 9 it says, and when there's a therefore, we need to find out what it's there for. And I just talked a little bit about what it's there for. He emptied himself. He humbled himself. He was obedient unto death, uncomfortable situations. So therefore, God gave him a name that was above every other name. What might God want to do with us? What might God want to do in the city of Charlottesville? August 11th and 12th, give me a break. I'm not minimizing or trivializing what is a very heartbreaking, tough circumstance about which we continue to grieve as a nation, not just the city. But we're talking about the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If we were to empty ourselves, will not people be reconciled to God and each other? He's got something great, bigger and better than we could ever imagine. So what's in your hand today? Is the question I want to challenge you with. What is it that you insist on holding on to? You know it. Maybe a person next to you knows it, but maybe not many people know, but you do. 
What's getting in the way if I asked it differently? In what ways could we live more empty-handed than we're doing right now? And what gets in the way of it? I'm begging you. I'm begging me. Open your hand. Empty your hand and watch God build what we could never build in our own strength. And that's the challenge. Lord, we think we're building something. Oh, I'm doing this. I'm in school and I, all of it. And I'm a proponent of all of that. It's good stuff. But Lord, help me never to think that I'm building anything. What's in your hand today? And how, how can we allow God to fill us such that we can serve others well? Empty-handed literally means to fail at obtaining or achieving something that we want. And I'm praying that we all fail in obtaining or achieving something that we want in favor for what it is that the Lord wants to do in and through us. Because the reality is we are more than conquerors through him, Romans 8, 37. We can do all things, Philippians 4 and 13, if you go a little bit further, through him. And he's speaking of being content in all circumstances. We can do that through him. I've mentioned being connected here since 2005, and now I just, as we close, imagine, imagine with all that God has already done, imagine how much more he wants to do here. Imagine how much more he wants to do in the city of Charlottesville. Imagine how much more he wants to do in your life, in your marriage, in your home. What if every educator, businessman or woman, lawyer, doctor, staff, factory worker, every constituent of our respective communities, maybe you're visiting, you can take this back home and imagine with us through the lens and framework of the Bible, if we were to follow his example and empty ourselves, might we say again that if we become nothing and if nothing becomes of us, everything can be built by him. Lord, we thank you for this word today. We thank you for the example that you provide for us. It doesn't make sense yet. It's real and true that fully divine and fully human, you laid aside that which was rightly yours so that you can pay a debt that we owed but had no currency to pay so that we can have the privilege, the possibility of emptying ourselves, not in and of our own strength, but because you emptied and poured out.